Welcome to the Wraparound Love Podcast, where you will hear the very difficult stories behind why people make the choices that they do. As we share these stories, you will be inspired by how the love of God transformed each person's life when individual Christians chose to consistently engage by simply being someone who gave what we call wraparound love. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Wraparound Love Podcast. My name is Janine Wagner, and I am your host, and I am here once again with my friend, Barbara Robinson. Barbara, how has your week been? My week has been quite heavy, to be honest. It's been very heavy. Yes. You've had some challenges with your kids this week. Yes. I think it's ironic considering what we're going to begin to talk about today. Mm-hmm. As a reminder for everyone, Barbara has, is it fair to say you don't have two sets of kids, but you have two three children. Sets. You have three sets. Okay. Yes. Lay, lay out the three sets. So I have two that grew up together that are older, that are in late 20s, early 30s. Then I have a set that are in their early 20s. Then I have one that is all by his lonesome, that's 17. That's Caleb. And then I have a 13-year-old daughter and a 7-year-old daughter. And those two are um, by my husband. And those two did not grow up the same way your other kids did. No. Caleb, just a little bit. Yes, And so we're going to talk today about the kids in the middle, and that is Chaynesha, Chaylesha, and Charles. Mm -hmm. And so last week during our episode, we talked about really a wonderful time in your life when um, you were off drugs, you've gotten your kids back, and they were starting to live with you. And at the same time, you had become a community leader And you were helping with gang violence in Omaha. I I said you were like the bell of the ball. You were on the news all the time. You were for sure a community leader. But now we're going to kind of fill in some holes here. So once your kids came home and they were, things were stable. It was kind of like stable in the sense that everyone was home and life settled in. And they maybe started to believe that this time they were actually going to stay home. They were like junior high to begin to be in high school age. During this time, you're still a community leader, but what your kids started to experience was a lot of pressure to be in the game. Yes. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, everywhere they would go, I worked with a lot of people in the community who would lose family members to gun and gang violence. And also I would work in the schools. And sometimes my kids would be with me when I got a call about a shooting or they would come to celebrations or prayer walks because some of these kids that were losing their life were their friends and they had grew up with them. Well, people would start telling my kids that you are just like your mom. You look like your mom. Do you fight like your mom used to? Um, are you from the same hood your mom was from? You know, your mom grew up in this hood, but she was banging for this hood. 
And my children would tell me those things and people would tell them stories about me fighting. And I will admit when they first would tell my children those things, I felt like they would validate some of the stories that I would tell my children. Because, you know, my children seeing me as something different. They saw me as a crack addicted mother. Now they see me as this community activist. They never saw me as a gang member or somebody fighting. So here they have some people who are validating some things that I said. I didn't realize the devices that was being used. Once I started realizing it, I would tell my kids, don't worry about what they said I used to be, look at who I am now and realize that because of who I used to be, that's why you were in foster care. That's what led me to addiction. This is how our life ended up going down this road. Don't try to follow this person. And my maiden name was Martin. So I would say, don't follow who Barbara Martin was. Look at who Barbara Robinson is. Do what I do. Well, to them, Barbara Robinson wasn't all that fun. Yeah, I was on the news. Yeah, I would go places, but I wouldn't stay and hang out. I'm I'm gone. I'm I'm there to minister, to meet the need, and then I'm gone. I'm not hanging out. I'm not partying. And then sometimes um, my kids would say to me, will you take me to a party over here and come pick me back up at 1 a.m.? Most definitely not. I'm not picking you up at 1 a.m. And they would always tell me, but if one of your gang members called you at one o'clock and said they needed a ride or they was in trouble, you would go get them. And I would. The gang member, and I would tell them, that gang member don't have nobody. You have me. And I know that you don't need to be out. But that was a battle that we fought constantly. And I was being ministered to, um, but there wasn't enough people ministering at that time to my children that was helping them. They didn't want to hear from from me because I'm just mom nagging, trying to stop their life and make everything boring for them. Right. I'm learning something new about that time that I did not understand. So they never knew you as a gang member. So you think that part of the reason that they were attracted to the gangs was that was kind of like the part of you that seemed cool. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, you know, I think about that time and, you know, it's like the, the tale of two kids. Because I would see them, you know, at church and that type of thing. And it's not that they were being fake at all, but it's like, I would see again, the hope in them and the, um, how they treated each other and their kindness towards one another. And then I would hear from you stories of particularly the girls, Kanisha and Kaylisha, just really, they could really beat people up. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they got into quite a bit of trouble Did all three of your kids end up, did they end up graduating from high school? Yes. Chanisha, my oldest one, is so smart that her junior year, she dropped out the first semester. 
She literally did not go the first semester. And I spent all that time chasing her around, trying to get her in school. Finally, the second semester, I enrolled her in Omaha Street School. And she went there. For her senior year, she went to Blackburn. And she graduated. She didn't have to take any extra classes. She was right on point. She graduated right on time. She didn't have to do anything extra. So I'm remembering something too. So Chainito was participated, well, both the girls participated in Girls Inc., which mm-hmm. is this wonderful, if you're not from Omaha, it's this just wonderful organization that the Buffett family has put together for girls in North Omaha to have a positive place to go. And I remember as you're talking So she was in Girls Inc. and she was doing the thing she was supposed to be doing. And Michelle Obama was coming into town and she got to, she was rewarded for being a positive influence in that program by getting to meet Michelle Obama. She got to introduce Michelle Obama. That's right. She introduced her. So how old was she when that happened? Uh, She had to be in the eighth or ninth grade at that time. And because of the things that Chainisha had went through, some of the things that she went through, the uh, molestation that she went through as a child, as I did, Chainisha was able to switch from one person to the next. And she still does that. She calls herself There's a totally whole different person on Facebook. In person, there are three different people that she truly, truly is. And I don't know if people believe in that, but my daughter has some different personalities and she lives and you can tell when she's one person and when she's the other or when she's Shanisha. And that is hard for me because she has no desire of changing that at this point. Those people protect her. They protect her when she's been hurt. Um, They protect her when she's been physically and mentally hurt. Those are things that you see on TV, but it is real. My daughter, Chaylesha, um, she has graduated Um, She graduated in Geneva, um, which is a youth rehabilitation center for girls. She graduated on time. Matter of fact, she graduated early. My son, Charles, he graduated a whole semester early in the youth center while he was awaiting trial for the murder. So they all graduated. But they all did it maybe again for suburban world in an unconventional way, but they all got their, their degrees. And you just mentioned Charles being on trial for the murder. And we're going to explain how he got to that point. And then in the next episode, we're going to talk about that trial. So when Charles and Anita, those two were the two that were really attracted to the gang part of it the most. Yes. What was that like to be the face of the anti-gang movement in North Omaha, in Omaha, and at home, seeing your kids slip into that lifestyle? The one thing that I would tell everyone is that I didn't move here from East Omaha, West Omaha, or Northwest Omaha to help the young gang members here. This originated in the community where I live. This plagued my family. I have had my stepfather shot 
I have had my brother shot and paralyzed, another brother shot and murdered. Gun and gang violence plagues my family. I could easily be a victim. I could easily be a shooter, but I choose to combat the issue. And so just because I want a difference for my community doesn't mean that my children are going to follow the way. It's just like the preacher's kid. It's just like the police officer's child is not, may not follow the law. It's the same thing. Was I disappointed? Yes. But I was never ashamed of my children because this is real life. I know that's why I felt and I still feel that I am able to help resolve issues that face youth and young adults in my community because I have been there and because my children are going through it and they're not going to listen to me because I'm their mom. And also because of the way people in higher places that's over me, the way that they treat me or my children when my children go through these type of issues. Instead of really wanting to lend a hand, they're like, see, I told you they were part of a mafia. (laughs) They really try to tear it down even more instead of looking at us as a family that need help. And some of us have changed and some haven't. Right. So let's focus on Charles. This is my recollection of the time period when he was arrested, that gang violence was at an all-time high in Omaha. He was arrested in January, right? I remember it was like there was many shootings within a short period of time. And I, I remember you and I talking and just your fear that you could see him. He wasn't fully in a gang yet, but you knew that's what he was doing. And so your fear of him getting shot or shooting someone. So what was that experience like watching your son go down a path that, as we've talked from when you were in the gang, it's different now. I mean, the violence, the, the guns, all of that is completely different now. What was that like for you in that very intense time period where he is clearly flirting with the gang life? What what was he doing? He would literally hang out with the wrong people. He didn't want to stay home. He got into it. He, He became disrespectful to authority. He hated the police for no reason, no reason at all. It made me angry at his father a lot because he wanted some guidance. He wanted some camaraderie. He wanted some male bonding. People may think that this is corny or that this is not real, but I watched my son starve for that. And you can find it in the street. Same as a female can find um, female bonding with a gang of prostitutes. He found it. And he, his brother was locked up for selling drugs. His other elder brother was hooked on drugs. And he had a, a little brother. Then he had half brothers who was living their life. Cousins who he grew up with who was just living their life. And he was just like a bugaboo. But to somebody else, they saw his heart. And they saw his loyalty. And they saw his desire to be a part of. And they exploited it. Yeah, I think the pressure on your kids to be in and around the gang life, the spiritual pressure, but the peer pressure, the expectations. So ultimately, Barbara, that loyalty led to him 
shooting someone and I was he in the gang when he when he was accused of that or was he was that part of an initiation or what was what was I can't remember the details of that what happens in a gang is when you are the youngest person that hang with everybody and somebody does a shooting the youngest person that's closest to juvenile age is the one who is supposed to take the blame and Charles was the youngest person and 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 they thought that Charles would end up in juvenile court but at the time of the murder you did not know that i remember you calling me and you didn't know if he had done it or not yeah and i remember because I'm a big conspiracy theory gal. I remember saying, I've never, we have these murders going on all the time. No one ever gets arrested. No. All of a sudden, Barbara Robinson's son is yeah. arrested three days after a murder. And I am allowed to go into an interrogation room with him. They allowed me to go into an interrogation room with him and they did not allow me to go into the courtroom with him during his trial. Yeah. And so next episode, we're going to talk about his trial and just really kind of your slow breakdown over this time period. This was a this was a dark time for you as I, as your friend, as I remember. So we're going to talk about that and the trial, which made headlines in Omaha also for many reasons. We're going to close here. So for some people, they might be like, wow, I, I thought this was going to be a happy ending to a story. Your lens through all of this is through God. So ultimately, knowing where your kids are today, where they were then, where is your hope for them? And where's your hope for your family? It's so funny that you would ask me this. I was asking God today in my mind with my thoughts. I was saying to him, I seen a man on on some steps today, and I thought he was dead. If you go on my Facebook page, you will see where I recorded. I um I had honked at him. I yelled at him. He didn't answer. And um normally I would get out, but for some reason I just couldn't take another dead body. I couldn't take it. And so I called 911 and the fire department came out and they honked at him. And so eventually they got out and he was alive. He was alive. And I asked God, I said, Lord, why does these type of things happen to me? Why do I have to go through a lot of these things to receive your glory? Why do I have to go through so much to receive blessings from you? There's people who just get blessed just to be getting blessed. Why do I have to? And he reminded me of Jesus walking the earth and how Jesus walked the earth and became human so that he could know what it was like for us and know what we go through to advocate to the Father for us. So all of these things that I go through and that my children are going through or even that everybody else is going through, if Jesus went through it, why not us? Why not me? Why not me? Why not my children? Why not? Now, 
I'm not saying that I want my children to be beat, to be sacrificed or nothing. I don't want that. But I do want the glory of God and I do want him to tell me good job. I do want him to tell me that. And so I believe that I came to the conclusion of my thoughts and the quiet voice today that I go through the things so that I can help somebody else so that I can tell the story. I have a big mouth and I don't mind talking about it. I don't mind being honest. I don't mind telling you when I'm wrong, when I fell off. I don't mind because if God can do it for me, he will do it for you. And if he, my children are running wild and who's to say in two years, in a year that one of them may preach the gospel. And if they got to go through this to get to where he wants them to be, then so be it. You're an amazing woman of faith. Thank you for continuing to share your story, for being real, and just for opening up so many people's eyes to things that we know nothing about. So next time we're going to, it's all going to be about Charles and that trial. And it it's the... Quite an exciting story. I'm gonna. I'll just say that there. Uh, the trial was n- not normal by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> it never is. It never is. I have one right. request. I have one request. Yes. If there is anybody listening that knows how to make gumbo, please put it in the chat. I know how to make gumbo. <gasps> Are you serious? It's not hard. You want me to make some for you? That would be so You lovely. want it with okra? That would be so Ooh, Okra's lovely. so slimy, but I'll do it. But I lived <laughs> in Mississippi for a couple years. He's an on-time guy. He's an on-time oh, yes, guy. he is. I'll make, I'll make some roux and get you some gumbo. Okay. But if anyone else is listening and has a family recipe, it would be way better than my Midwestern version of gumbo. <laughs> so that would be great. All right. Well... If you're enjoying our podcast, if you would be so kind as to review us, um, rate and review on iTunes and follow us on Instagram and Facebook on Wrap Around Love. And we are so grateful that you continue to listen and we look forward to sharing. We've been waiting to share the story next week. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, Barbara. Bye, Janine.